Ayanka Jess is one of the top 100 most powerful women in Canada, according to Women's Executive Network, WXN, a powerful network of professional women in Canada, awarded Ayanka the prestigious title in their arts, sports, and entertainment category. Ayanka, who was a season one guest here on Run It Like a Girl, formed an organization called She's for Sports after hearing about the negative experiences of some female sports fans and seeing a lack of diversity in sports media coverage. She's for Sports works to address gender equity and inclusion in sport and in society in general. Ayanka tells us that things are slowly getting better, partly because of our consumer-driven society. We have to get past the listening and learning. We have to get past developing reports or having roundtables. Consumers want to see action. And organizations will start to see that consumers want to see action when it hits their revenue line, right? Because consumers want to be aligned with organizations that are doing things for people that are that have values that align with them and, and, and organizations who care. Ayanka points out another piece of optimistic outlook. The younger generations are demanding change. I just think we have a, a generation now where they're not going to stand for the old things back in the days of how, you know, maybe our parents or our parents' parents, you know, in the environments that they lived in. The, the, this generation isn't. They just want equality. They want everyone to be um, given an equal voice and an equal chance. And that's where we have to we have to move towards. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Ayanka talks about the business side of She's for Sports, entrepreneurship, time management, and forming authentic partnerships. And she has tons of advice for those just starting out. She's for Sports founder Ayanka Jess on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. So today I'm uh, once again coming live from my basement office where I'm doing my remote recordings. And I'm just really, really excited because I have a woman on the line here today, Ayinka Jess, who has been featured on our podcast before in season one. And I've just watched her grow and, and what a powerhouse so much that I, I had to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me again on your podcast, Bonnie. I'm excited to talk to you again. Um, I think what you've done with She's for Sports is is pretty incredible. And, the, you know, the type of support you're getting and the recognition, because one thing I didn't mention, which I meant to mention uh, when I said you were coming back, is that you've recently also won a Women Executive Network Top 100 Award that is given out to the top 100 most powerful women in Canada every year. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Thanks. It's a humble uh, recognition. I'm so grateful for it. And I just, you know, it's nice to be recognized among the other women who are uh, doing great things in across Canada and, and making a difference. It's, it's really a special honor. Well, it's, it's really incredible. And uh, I've, I've absolutely loved watching She's for Sports grow. So let's start. Uh, you've been a guest, as I mentioned, on season one. But for those who may not have listened in yet, and the link will be in the show notes, so I hope that if you haven't heard the first episode, you go back and listen to it. Uh, Tell us a little bit about She's for Sports and and why you decided to start this. 
Yeah, I started the organization in 2016. It came from conversations I had with women who were my friends, colleagues who worked in sports. And my colleagues that worked in sports also said that their environment sometimes wasn't very uh, positive for them. Uh, sometimes their sports environment was very sexist or they were spoken over by male colleagues um, or sometimes they would pitch ideas. A colleague of mine works in sports radio and um, no one would listen to her and they would shoot her idea down. But the next week, somebody else was was running with it. Um, so that was the experience of colleagues I had working in sport. The other was fans. Like my female friends who are, are fans would say they'd be at a, a baseball game trying to talk about the game and, you know, not getting a word in from their male counterparts or, um, you know, somebody at, at home cheering on a sports team with their family. And maybe some of their, their male family members were just astonished that they were even trying to talk about sport. And I really just wanted to create an organization where women felt comfortable and safe. There was a safe place, a safe space for them to talk about sport, to engage in sport. And also the other part is uh, highlighting all of the great women that work in sport or women and girls, BIPOC, um, LGBTQ plus athletes. You know, I just wanted to create a place for them to tell their story about working in sport, talk about their experience and just have that platform. So that's kind of where She's for Sports, uh, you know, what it's about and, and just how, how we came to be. Fast forward to 2020 and we've been around for um, February coming will be five years. I can't it. And we've been able to host nine events and two digital series. And during COVID, I had to pivot from on-site events to digital events. And um, we featured uh, online panels through Zoom. We continue to highlight women um, across social media who were doing great things in sport. And it's just been a year of, of challenges. But, you know, we had to kind of pivot with the challenges. And we're still happy that we can profile women in sport in the way that we're doing it. Well, good for you for pivoting, too, because it's certainly been a challenging year for, for many organizations. And um, I think it's great that you're still continuing on with this. And I and I love what you said at first when you talked about, you know, just having like a, a place where everyone is included, women, BIPOC community. Um, and it's funny because what you were saying resonates in the corporate world as well, as sure. And I know you've worked many years in the corporate world, so you know that. But then you take it to an industry even probably more pronounced by men and, and where men are are dominating the conversations um, and it just gets, it gets so much bigger. So I think, uh, I think it's really incredible what you're doing. Um, and I want to ask you a question in a second, but I just thought of something else. I just kind of, I'm just curious. So in all these different events that you've done, what, do you have like a couple most memorable moments that just stick out in your mind that you would sh share with us? Yeah, our my first memory or favorite memory is hosting our Hockey is Her uh, panel. This was the first time to my knowledge uh, to, in Toronto there was a all-female hockey panel. We also had um, someone from, two people from the LGBTQ plus community. We had women of color who work in hockey. We had a broadcaster who's been reporting for a, a long time who could talk about the past and now talk about where we're going. And even she had said that she's never seen an all-female hockey panel. So uh, She's for Sports is also trying to push the envelope, try to be first in those spaces, and not just for recognition, but just because things have to change in sport. And sport is 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 an older kind of model. It's, um, as you mentioned before, people sometimes see it as an old boys club. Um, and we're trying to show that sport has always included women. Women deserve a voice, and we have to show it. If you can't see it, you can't be it. 
And there are little girls uh, and, and little boys as well who wa- may want to work in sport and they don't always have role models. They don't see people that look like them or their parents, um, or I should say their parents or their family members who look like them being represented in sport. And that's what we want to do. I think it's all about changing the narrative to normalize the fact that women have been in sport for centuries. You know, there's lots of women in Canada who played hockey way back when. Um, there's women who are being celebrated now. Um, I think her name is Kim, Kim Eng. She's the first general manager of her Major League Baseball uh, team. Um, she's been in baseball for years and, and many people now writing about her said that she should have been promoted into that role a long time ago. So you're also seeing that um, we have to celebrate these women. We have to show their pictures on TV and write about them so that we can normalize the narrative. I, I really Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say my second experience that I really like is our She Can Coach panel. We were able to bring in Dr. Jennifer Welter um, from the States. She's one of the first women to work uh, in the NFL on a, on a, on a coaching kind of um, position. So she uh, great, provided great insights on working in the NFL, um, getting that opportunity to, to help train a team um, and just being a first in that field. And we had um, Brittany Donaldson, who's an assistant coach with the Raptors, uh, Kayla Alexander, who's a WNBA player, and then Shireen Ahmed, who is a great sports journalist and writer, but also someone who's um, empowering uh, Muslim girls in sports. So that was one of my favorite panels as well. And we had a really good turnout. We had really good media coverage on it. But for me, it's just um, putting the right voices at the table and showing that diversity of women who work in sport. I I get I think I think that's incredible and in what you've managed to do and I love what you said. Um, you know, within your if you can't see it, how do you know you can be it? Or you know, like and it is so important for people, to, for kids, young people, and and even even grown people to see uh, you know people that look like them or or whatever in positions that you know maybe they never thought was was possible, but now they can clearly see that it is. And you've had some major powerhouses participate in your events which is super cool (laughs) yeah as the as the organization grows and people get to know what we're about and who we are i think it's a little bit easier to tell your story to these people who are have gone uh, ahead of me to achieve great things um and really tell them your story when you're emailing them or you have a connection maybe a colleague you know could introduce you to someone i always tell people to try to build warm relationships because it doesn't like with Jennifer Welter, to be honest with you, Dr. Jennifer Welter, I had um, connected with her on LinkedIn years before I invited her to be on my panel. I just knew that she was someone who um, was doing great things in sport. And I said to myself, you love to keep that relationship going. And then an opportunity came, I pitched the idea to her. And then I obviously secured a, a sponsorship with Ryerson. And you know how that works with sponsorships. So it was just creating these, these great relationships that, you know, in the future might become um, something that could benefit both uh, the the athlete or the person that works in the front office or myself. Um, So just finding that mutual value and that mutual benefit, but also creating these warm relationships. So it's not like a cold, you know, email or a cold call. Uh, You know, people have to really know your story and they have to know that you're doing things for the right reasons. So I think that's why She's Resorts has been successful in um, connecting with these powerhouses, as you said, these female athletes, these LGBTQ plus athletes and BIPOC athletes who are stars in their own rights. And and they know what we're doing. They know we're doing it for the right reason. And the other side I'll talk about for people who are in small businesses or entrepreneurship is um, the power of partnerships. You know, this year during COVID, while some people were scaling back and, you know, some industries were closing, She's Sports was growing in a a pandemic. So it's the power of partnerships. You know, I, I brought my 
uh, you know, my ideas of what I was doing with Chiefs for Sports and my business all with Chiefs for Sports and, and what I want to accomplish and the, the mission and values that we have here. And I think that resonated with the people that we partnered with. So we partnered with Canadian Women in Sport, um, Sport Canada, and um, we also had our existing uh, year sponsorship with Ryerson that we were able to partner on in a, in an event with. And obviously, you've picked uh, like-minded organizations to kind of partner with. Um, how do you go about that? You know, in terms of like what you said, they, they to me, I can see the clear alignment of why you would be partnering with these organizations. But uh, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. I've been approached a couple times around sponsorships um, where I was like, I don't know why you want to sponsor. But this doesn't even make sense to me. Um, what are your thoughts on authentic partnerships and, and making sure that you're aligning with the kind of organizations that you want your brand associated with? Yeah, that's a very good comment and question. I've had um, someone in the past reach out to me who uh, had a very strong brand. Um, they seem to have a lot of capital backing their their business. But once they were done explaining um, the purpose of why they wanted to partner, uh, what their goals were for their company and um, their mindset, it just didn't align with me. And it's hard to decline um uh, opportunities, especially if you're a small business owner and you see that this other entity has like such a big backing financially and brand wise, but you have to really make sure it aligns with your values and your morals of why you're, you're doing something. I've had uh, a male, um, come up to me at one of my events and say, well, glad that you got in on this diversity trend uh, four years ago because it's so like trendy now and everyone's talking about it. And I did not start She's for Sports because it was a diversity trend. This is a lot of hard work, um, especially to your listeners who are small business owners where you are a Jill of all trade or a jack of all trade and you are the social media person. You are the person at the event making sure things are going straight and straightened out with your volunteers. You are the person securing um, sponsorships and you are the person doing day-to-day operations. It's, it's not, you're not doing this because it's a trend. If, if you were and it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But there are certain characteristics that make up an entrepreneur and um, you definitely have to have some grit and some resilience and a long-term view um, as how you are trying to create a solution or something to help other communities, um, whether it's a service or an experience or a product, but your goal is to help people and to change the system and change something. And that's why we're, that's why Shoes Sports is here. It's not something I'm just doing as like a quick trendy hobby. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but it did. It did. And I think, yeah. I think you're right. Like, um, like for small business owners, people that are trying to start something to do something, whether it's, you know, not for profit or, or, a, you know, a for-profit business, it's understanding your goals and your values and, and what you stand for. And I love what you said, like with small business, it is, I mean, you are the everything of your organization, right? And I would love to know, I imagine time management for you, because you've also had jobs outside of this. Like this hasn't been your full-time job. How do you yeah. how do you manage your you know having your personal life still your um, where you might be paying your bills from and then still to grow this to a point where it can become maybe your full-time job? That's a very good question. And there are a lot of different types of entrepreneurs. There are friends I have who have a full-time day-to-day and then their uh, entrepreneurial effort they do in the evening or on weekends. And some people are able to do two at the same time, you know, based on sort of um, an understanding with your other job that you have and what you're doing. Um, There definitely are protocols and things that, you know, you have to go through to make sure that, you know, there's no conflict of interest. But for me, it's always been straddling both. Um, I started Shoes for Sports when I was working in corporate communications and for some people that won't work some people have in my own friend circle have completely pivoted to just being a full-time entrepreneur and that's okay I don't think one size fits all I think people have to really look at their family structure the support they have their financial um 
just whatever your financial situation is. Um, mental health is a big thing. We, we hear a lot of people are, are really uh, dealing with some, some mental health issues and going through mental health issues during COVID. So I think there's a lot of variables that you have to consider uh, before you decide to go full-time in anything, whether it's a day job or entrepreneurship. And it's just a personal question you have to ask yourself. But for me, it's always trying to find my why. Why am I running Shoes for Sports? Uh, are there days when I want to put out more content than than I did yesterday? Of course I do. But you have to know your limit. There's time. There's gut, gut feelings and warning signs in your brain that it's like you have to eat dinner now. You you can't post anything else. You you kind of uh, reached your max and your limit, and and tell yourself that's okay, and not look at competitors all the time and feel like you're doing a bad job. Um, because that's a lot of pressure when you're looking at what other people are doing and you feel like you don't measure up. We all go through imposter syndrome. So there are days when I do wake up and I'm like, who told you you could run this company, girl? <laughs> you know, um, but things end up working out because I end up meeting the right people. Um, and I think we're, no one's an island when you're an entrepreneur. You have to reach out to other people. I've also up for different um, webinars that um, include information for entrepreneurs. Um, I know Women of Influence, they have a, a program now that I'm actually a part of. And the webinar really is just like four sessions on things entrepreneurs should be, um, you know, uh, enlightened about, whether it's finances, marketing, uh, creating an inclusive company. And I think that entrepreneurs, you can continue to always learn. And also I'm getting uh, resources from the Women Executive Network as well. I've met lots of great other entrepreneurs there. So I think just not um, siloing yourself, reach out to other entrepreneurs, take breaks when you need to. Um, don't compare yourself too much to other people because you're providing a unique um, solution. You're providing a unique organization. So lean into what your uniqueness is and don't always feel like you have to follow or copy the herd because sometimes that, that's not good for your your business and engaging with people. People want to engage people that are unique and are doing different things and doing things that are going to help people. So that's kind of what's kept me and really my family um, have a great set of people around you. I don't really know what I would do without my husband because he's always helping me with shoes for sports and is a great sounding board and does all my um, my creative for the organization and my, my videography. Um, and then my, I have my mom and my sisters and friends, uh, you know, surround yourself with good friends and not just people in the entrepreneur space, but just friends that you've had for a while, because sometimes they can also um, help you clear your mind. If you have, you know, you're kind of living in your business and sometimes it's good to clear your mind and ask people outside of the business, what do you think about X and get their opinion? Cause they're also consumers too. So that's, what's been keeping me. It's just that the why and the drive and the care and the, um, the the responsibility that I feel that I, I need to you know help change this industry that's that needs to to change. We've seen during this year, uh, sports was right smack dead in the center of social injustice movements, and people really looking at you know who's in the front office, who's on the field, are opportunities being presented to everybody in sport, and we see that it's not. So I think you're going to start to see a lot of sports organizations trying to. Um, really put action there on how they're addressing inclusion uh, because things have to change. It's 2020 and, um, you know, there's a lot of things that women could be hired to do and promoted in sport and they're, they're not seeing the same um, pace in their um, career in sports as we see with, with the men. Yes. I, um, I mean, that, I think that's a, that's a lot of, uh, of great advice also that you've, you've said, and, and I think you've partially answered this question, but, but there might be a little more. So I'm, I'm going to ask her just to see if, if, uh, but you've given such great advice here today. Um, but like if, if you're someone that, that 
you know, if you've just been thinking about something, something you see that maybe doesn't sit well with you or you see an opportunity for something to be done more, wh- whether it's a social cause or a business idea that you want to start or, or anything really, um, what's, you know, like a couple pieces of advice for someone just starting out and trying to figure out how to action that passion that they have? Yeah, I get that question a lot from people. Uh, you know, in the past, I did a lot of speaking engagements with universities, with other sports organizations, and these were uh, on-site events. Obviously, during COVID, I've been kind of um, transitioning to doing like digital interviews and digital panels. But what I would say, and it doesn't matter if you're in sport or if you want to launch a cookie, a cookbook, or you want to, you know, make jewelry or just do something. I think it's just start. You know, that's the one thing that holds a lot of entrepreneurs or future entrepreneurs back is starting. You don't have to have all the advertising backing or the capital. You don't have to know everybody. I mean, I don't know Drake, but, you know, and he hasn't endorsed any of my stuff. <laughs> we have not. I don't think we've gone viral. And I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure for new uh, business owners to feel like they have to go viral. Or they have to have, you know, 50,000 followers by day one. I only worked on Shoes for Sports pretty much part time growing the business and we have over 3000 Twitter followers. I always imagined to myself, what if I had a social media team, you know, we would have gone beyond that, but you can't align your value with likes and retweets. You have to align your value with, are you helping a community? Are you helping people? Are you creating a solution to help people? And even if you're helping a hundred people, you're helping people. Right. Um, so I would say start small, uh, set up a Facebook page if that's where you think your community is or Twitter um, or an email listing. A lot of people are, are getting really great results with newsletters. I would say st- start small. Look at um, resources that you can use. One that I use a lot is Canva. Um, it allows you to create posters and online uh, graphics um, that you can just add your logo and it's pretty much layman's terms, um, user-friendly program. And then you can just, you know, put different content content up on your sites. Um, I use Squarespace for my website. Some people hire people to develop their website, but if you don't have the backing and the money in your budget to hire someone, or maybe you want a quick landing page up, I would say look at what resources are out there that are um, that can align with your budget and that are a little bit more nimble or grassroots that you can just kind of get started. So I would say just get started, just launch it. You know, make sure that you um, let your your friends and family know about your business because they're also your ambassadors. They know you. They know what you're trying to do, um, and share things with them because they can also share things with their community so I would say just just start it that's the biggest thing I get I always hear people say like five years ago they wanted to start this nail salon or this they wanted to write a book and I'm like just do it like failure is also a part of being a business owner and one example I can give is when I was uh, securing a, a sponsor for something that I wanted to do the first time I had worked with them financially, I wasn't um, charging exactly what my value was. And it's hard as an entrepreneur, you go through these things where you're like, oh, I should have probably charged more. And it's not about just making money. It's about what is your value that you're bringing to that company? How has your brand that's already established helped that company? Even if you are um, a smaller organization, you are also bringing value to uh, if it's a larger company because they never had the community that you had before. They don't have those authentic engagement uh, that you have with your community. So know that you're bringing value and look at, um, you know, do some research, call other colleagues in the business that are doing maybe the same thing that you're doing or they've already done it and just ask them like, you know, Hey, I'm going to be doing this. Do you have an average ballpark figure or do you know what the industry rate is? Or do you know what other people are being paid for this type of work? I'd say like lean into your, 
the people that you know, because they can guide you in the right direction. People might not give you an exact figure of what they got paid, because, you know, sometimes finances are hard to talk about and revenues hard to talk about. But I think there's an industry rate. There's an average there's, you know, terms like what's the going market rate for X. I think if you can build a conversation, then you'll be more informed, educated. Um, so um, to tie up that story, the first time I engaged with this organization, I didn't charge as much as I should have. But then the second time they wanted to work again with me, I charged them the right price. And I also was able to use our first relationship, do some um, uh, some metrics on how that last campaign went and provide it to them. And then they were able to justify that. Yeah, we can, we can work around what you're, what you're charging. So I would also say, don't go into a meeting with someone just saying, Hey, I want this. You also need to prove, they might ask you, well, okay, why should we give you this? And you have to have a response, whether you've already created a campaign report or a social media report to talk about how much people you've engaged or the convert, the quality of conversations you had um, or metrics that they're asking for, be prepared to do that because I also had to do that it's, it wasn't just a hey I think I deserve this here you go we'll write a check it wasn't that at all it was also showing the value that they can gain and um, hard stats no one can dispute stats and, and metrics they're, they're not something that you've made up they're generated they're just factual so people can't dispute that I think that's really good I love the thing of understanding your own value I do think you know a lot of times uh, particularly women uh, do you undervalue mm-hmm. our, ourselves, whether that's when you're negotiating salary at a job or or doing something like you're doing, um, understanding your value. But I like your second point to that is to be able to prove it as well and back it up with facts. Yes. Yes. And in the world that we live in now with COVID and budget, some budgets are a little bit more constrained. Some people have budget because they are... Um, there's more emphasis and dedication and commitment to diversity and inclusion. So it just depends on where the company's at. And that's another thing I'll say, because I've had a few people call me and they're like, how are you able to get that sponsorship? It's COVID. Um, you have to, again, as I said, look at your value. Don't worry about if the company doesn't have the money or not. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to talk about your value and how you can help them and how you see mutually you guys can both help each other um, to be leaders in a space like diversity inclusion. Or maybe they're trying to you know, put together a scholarship for young girls who might want access to, to sport resources. Like your goal is to, to show how aligned you are with that, that business priority for them and the value you can bring. Don't worry about if if it's COVID and this company doesn't have the money, because I think sometimes conversations start playing in your mind and you're thinking about things that you don't even have the answers to. So how could you even be thinking about, <laughs> about them? You don't even know. Right. Um, so I think that also, to be honest with you, that, that clouded my, my first judgment in the first example that I said to you that I think I undercharged uh, for something that I was supposed to do. I was just wondering, I'm like, oh my gosh, does this company have money? It's COVID. Will they like shoot me down if I give them this, this figure? But I shouldn't have been worrying about that. And I'm generally a transparent person. So if, if my experience, if I want to look at it as something that was a bit of a failure or something that I could have worked better on um, to, to handle that situation, if my experience could help other people, then, you know, great. <laughs> That's, great. That's awesome. Um, so I'd love to ask you, uh, do you know, what's next? Yeah, and I've been getting a lot of emails about that. Uh, it, then that's why I was saying to you, winning the award is is a great achievement and it's a great um, honor, but it's also very overwhelming because now I'm doing, again, ramped up to do more interviews and to work with people and it's Christmas. Christmas is coming. <laughs> <laughs> We're all at the end of a year that has been very challenging um, and very different for a lot of us. So I think I'm taking some 
to step back. I, knowing myself, I've already written down ideas for 2021 and I've already started um, booking some meetings with people who have been following up or new organizations who want to, to learn a little bit more about what I'm doing. So I would say stay tuned. We will be definitely be doing, um, you know, most, most of the things we gen- we generally try to do, which is uh, feature uh, diverse people uh, in sport, tell their stories and share them with everybody else and also be in a place of advocacy to push for women to, to have opportunities to work in sport, push for young girls to have resources to sport and access to sport. So those are the things that we're, we're always going to be focused on. So I would say stay tuned. But the challenge sometimes too is for people growing their business is you've done something last year, now you have to take it to the top and, and, and go bigger and better. So there's also that pressure, but we will always try to stick to putting out a great product, a great um uh, just great content for people to engage with. And uh, it's just, it's definitely going to be our, how we always work. We always put out the best thing. And if you don't hear from us for two months, well, there's still content online, but that just means behind the scenes, we're working on something great. Awesome. And, and people can check out the show notes where your uh, social handles are uh, and follow along and see what's next and join hopefully for one of your upcoming events, because now that it's virtual, it doesn't matter where you are in the are you could join and, and participate. Um, which is great for me being in rural Ontario because <laughs> I always wanted to come and check out one of your live events and I know just don't live there. It's uh, I, I can't I do know. it. <laughs> I'm hoping that we will get back to on-site events I'm in sure. the future one day, maybe it's a year from now because you can't replace that uh, one-on-one connection. Um, we also find when women and diverse people come to our, our events to talk about sports, they're able to meet with the experts, the, mm-hmm. the, the people who've done great things in sport and actually have that one-on-one connection with them, which some of them, if, if they're from the States or out of town, like you wouldn't have that opportunity to have a one-on-one with them. And we, we, we just love that warm environment. We find that the words we hear the most when people leave our, our events are, this was inspiring. I can't believe this woman was in sport and I didn't know about her or just that these these events are fun you know we have to bring back fun into our lives as well we have a really robust Q&A session and even when we have it on virtual people don't want to stop asking questions and talking so I'm hoping in the future we can get to on-site events but for now as you said they'll be virtual and one thing I didn't add was you were talking about the power of connecting with people globally and internationally um, we were actually mentioned in the New York Times a few months ago wow. and it was because we held uh, yeah we held our digital um, sorry, our diversity and leadership panel where we did talk about um, anti-black racism. We talked about growing the pipeline for diverse people in sport and we tackled really tough topics and we know most organizations now are getting uncomfortable or trying to hold these conversations. So the New York Times um, wrote a piece about a woman that was on our panel and then ended up um, pulling quotes actually from our our virtual panel directly into the New York Times article, um, mentioning she's for sports and highlighting and putting a hyperlink to our website. Um, so I was grateful for that. I never thought launching this four years ago, I would have been <laughs> named or noted in the New York Times that reaches has a wide circulation, we reaches people around the world. I, I just I'm still that one. I'm still kind of like, did that really happen? Am I living in a parallel <laughs> universe? But this is another uh, good point, as you were saying, for future entrepreneurs, put your product out there, your out there. You never know who you could help. You never know who it could reach. And that was um, an article that I, I just never thought my name would be in the New York Times. Well, wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, so now we're kind of at the last formal question. And then we have our fast three questions. But um, and I asked you this the first time, but I've, I've changed. So I've changed it up a bit. Uh, the original question is, if you could go back to a younger version of you and have a conversation, what would that look like? But this one I'm making more specific to your business around if you could go back to that, you know, first day that you started She's for Sports. 
and have a conversation with yourself, what kind of advice would you give? I would tell myself, don't worry about it. Go slow. Um, people will see that what you're doing is genuine. People will see that our mindsets need to shift and women need to be in the conversations when it comes to sports and that you're not just putting out a product or content, you're actually sparking a movement. I didn't really realize that when I was launching it. And to be honest with you, Bonnie, I launched Shoes for Sports in my mom's spare room because I was going in between jobs, coming back from Ottawa, where I was working there for the government and figuring my life out as a communicator. And I said, after the conversations, I, I just noticed the conversation I was having with women, they were just all the same. And I said, well, I have to do something about it. And I pitched a few different logo ideas to some friends, which one would you like? And then put got a logo made and then just started a Facebook page and Twitter. And that's how I started it. And now look where we are. So I would say that's what I would tell myself. You know, sometimes you start things, you don't really know who it's going to impact or what impact you're going to have on, on communities or groups of people, but just continue to, to trust your gut, go slow, work with people, as you said, align yourself with companies and organizations that are pushing for inclusion and, and change in sport and keep on going. That's what I would tell myself. Amazing. Amazing. Well, just before we get to the fast three, I want to congratulate you again on your WXN top 100 win. I mean, that is, is really incredible. And I'm, I'm just, I'm very proud of you. I know, I, I don't know you oh. well, but I, we've, we've, you know, we've, I've followed you, you for a few work years together. and we've yeah. together and um, yeah. just congratulations. It's really incredible. Uh, Thank you. I, and I'm, I, I have the, you know, women like yourself and my other colleagues who started their own passion projects or their business. I have you guys on my shoulders too, because I'm like, there are so many great women in Canada doing things. So whenever I'm able to talk on a larger platform, I'll say, well, you know, someone's like, you know, do you know someone who's doing a podcast who has a book who's in data analytics? I know all these women now, and a lot of them are from Canada and I can also share their stories. So I just want to show people that, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. It's not easy. And you know, yourself being a business owner, it's, it's a very interesting world. Sometimes it feels lonely. Um, and sometimes your partner doesn't want to hear about you <laughs> in terms of what you're I won't say complaining about, but what your latest gripe is about being a business owner. And then sometimes they're there and they're going to help you. You know, it, we're all human, um, but it's just definitely been a, a growth journey for me and it allowed me to build my skill sets too uh, in running a business. And I still have opportunity to learn. You know, there's so much you learn every day. So I do appreciate that. Awesome. Um, so now we're going to move to kind of like the informal. This is something we've added since the last time that we chatted. Mm -hmm. But um, so it's fast three. It's just kind of like a way for people to get a good resource of what they might want to check out in the future. Yeah. But the first question is, what is your favorite podcast or source of information? Yeah, right now I'm listening a lot to uh, Life in the Front Office. It's a podcast. And really, they interview um, people who work across the sports industry, whether they're in marketing or branding or data analytics. And you get to hear a little bit about their story. And it's men and women who work in the sport industry. So I, I quite like um, that podcast right now. Very cool. And uh, what are you currently reading? Well, I brought my books for you, so I wouldn't forget. I'm reading um, Avery Swartz's See You on the Internet. Oh, I don't know cool. if you've heard about her. She's Canadian. Um, and she writes about um, how small business owners can um, 
take more leadership or more hands-on approach in their digital marketing with um, understanding how to use the tools that I talked to you about. There's all these digital tools out there and it's about, you know, self-learning and trusting your gut, but also doing the research to learn some of these programs. Because another thing I pointed out is if you're a small business owner and you don't have a big budget, maybe you can't hire a graphic designer or you can't hire someone to put content on your website, but there are other digital tools that can allow you to actually get the first step of getting things up and doing things in a little bit of more of a minimalized way until you do have the budget to hire people so this book's really good and she's canadian i like to uh, support canadian um women i'm also reading a book called do it afraid by joyce meyer and it's really about understanding your fears confront your fears and change your mindset and i'm reading that because i feel like um you know covid because you're inside all the time too, you're a little bit more insular in your thoughts and you're trying to think about yourself and your next move and i want people to know that even business owners feels scared and pressured we're not um we're not superheroes <laughs> we have feelings and um sometimes we do doubt ourselves as well so i think it's just kind of working through what your fears mean and how you can work through those feelings and then obviously everybody and their mother is reading um this really heavy book by barack obama a promised land and it's a really um in-depth view of his um experience you know going from senator to president and, you know, the interesting thing about this, as much as we um, see uh, Barack Obama on TV, and obviously he's a, he's a great speaker, and he, you know, is somebody that everybody admires, he also talks about his own self-doubt um, about running. Because remember, he actually didn't have a lot of experience being in the Senate for a long time, and he never really had any VP experience um, or that close experience to, to, to working uh, as a president. So it's kind of, it's comforting for me to be like, okay, if he has some fears and he was kind of like, I'm not sure I could, could be a president, just like his own inside thoughts and just the stress and um, the pressure that that job would bring on. I'm like, okay, well, if he's sometimes scared and he didn't know, he didn't have a lot of experience as a senator. And literally he talks about it too, like his jump to presidency, like some people wouldn't have gone, their path wouldn't have been that way. But, you know, he, he obviously um, was was successful for some people. Some people might not think so. Um, but it was good for me to, to read about uh, somebody in that leadership role, uh, the highest job <laughs> In, in the world or the US and to hear that they also had some fears. And he also talks about his private life too with his wife and being married and having kids and what that was like. So kind of adds a little bit of a human element to what he was going through. And I think uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a hard book to get through. I won't lie because it's very detailed. It's not, um, he doesn't gloss over everything. So it's very detailed. I'll just go through it slowly, but those are my three picks. That's awesome. And I think um, I, I love what you say about like, if even someone like him, has doubts and how important that is that people like that share that they have doubts. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. And my final question for you is who is currently inspiring you? Yeah, there's a woman named Renee Hess. She's in the States and she started an organization called black girls hockey club. And she's just inspiring me because she's just doing a lot of things that are uh, helping in the hockey industry to get girls, uh, specifically black girls uh, engaged and involved in sport and, Bring, giving them access to hockey resources. Like she has scholarships that she's already uh, put together a scholarship campaign where people could donate to help uh, a black girl who's uh, at the junior level of trying to get into hockey, get either resources or, um, you know, you can donate so that these girls can get to different practices and different, you know, tournaments and stuff like that. So I, I'm really inspired by that. I think we're all starting to see a lot of grassroots organizations really make hard proof hard contract, con, sorry, really make change 
a lot of the larger sports industries are having discussions still, having listening and learning sessions. But all of the stuff that we're talking about has been going on for years when it comes to inclusion and diversity. We, I think consumers now want to see organizations really take a stand and have action towards this. So if we know there's a challenge with women being hired in sport or um, BIPOC people hired in, getting hired in sport, well, what are you tactically doing to change that? We have to get past the listening and learning. We have to get past developing reports or having roundtables. Consumers want to see action. And organizations will start to see that consumers want to see action when it hits their revenue line, right? Because consumers want to be aligned with organizations that are doing things for people that are that have values that align with them and, and, and organizations who care about change. Like there's all these studies coming out now to, to show you that that's what consumers want. So I think if um, organizations are slow to address that or to understand that, they're going to be left behind because consumers want to be um, supporting companies and organizations that are, are driving change. Absolutely. That's, it's just simple as that. Yeah. And rightfully left behind, actually. Um, you know, yeah. it, it no longer can you just have a, a line on your website about why DNI is is important to you. You have to be able yeah. to demonstrate clear steps that you're taking to ensure equal and open opportunity for everyone, regardless of, of who the person and the individual the individual is. Um, so I think I think that's in, that sounds like a, an incredible organization to be uh, inspired by, Renee. Um, and and yeah, and and all, just all the best to to you and to and to her in both your endeavors. I can't wait. I'm going to go check her out right after this. Yeah, um, she's really cool and doing such great things. Like every time you go on her tweet, her feed, and she's also aligning with uh, the different levels of hockey organizations, uh, you know, in Canada and the U.S. to see how they could work together. Um, but she's really leading the way, and people are always talking about what she's doing. And again, this is an organization that doesn't have a lot of money. It's an organization who saw a problem and is saying we're going to change this. And if we're the ones leading the way, great. But we want to change this. I just really feel like organizations have to get in front of wanting to change and you know getting out of the way and if you have to hire other people to help you figure this out um hire those people but get out of the way of yourself i think sometimes we hinder ourselves because we're just stuck in our old ways we're stuck about who's going to say this or what is our brand going to look like you have to look at what are your consumers thinking your consumers look like everybody in the world right now that everybody can um leverage services and products from sitting in their home. So your consumers look like everyone, they're diverse. And if your consumers can't see themselves in your services or products or see that you actually care, they're very well easily to go to the competitor. So I just think there's like a small window right now for people to really say they get it and they're moving on to action. I think we saw that with some of the um, the protests and the things that people were standing up for. It's a lot of young people standing up and saying enough is enough. And these were a lot of diverse people and people that look like everybody saying enough is enough, whether they were talking about it online or they were outside and um, talking about the issues in the way they want to. I just think we have a, a generation now where they're not going to stand for the old things back in the days of how, you know, maybe our parents, our parents, parents, you know, in the environments that they lived in. The, the, this generation isn't. They just want equality. They want everyone to be um, given an equal voice and an equal chance. And that's where we have to we have to move towards. Well, I just I want to thank you so much 
for taking time today to come and talk with us about your business, um, about She's for Sports, but everything that you're doing. It's just, uh, it's been incredible. So I can't wait to see what comes in 2021 for you. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> <so> <laughs> and I'll definitely keep you posted because there are some some good things that are percolating right now, but I'm also not the person to just say something if it hasn't been final. And again, my whole goal is to put out, um, you know, content and experiences for our community groups that they're going to benefit from and not just put something out to put something out. So, and as I said, now winning the award and kind of going up and up, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I need to, I have to put it out in the universe. I need to get Serena Williams like on a panel or a one-on-one yes. -on -one interview. Serena that Williams. That would be great. Yeah, she's also, an, uh, obviously, uh, people call her the GOAT or, you know, greatest of all time, but also a well-decorated tennis uh, athlete but and a, a sports star, but also a businesswoman. Like, through COVID, I've been following some of her stuff. She's got her fashion line. She's also, I believe, I want to say she's an angel investor, but she's probably, I don't know if that's the term, or if she's just an investor, but she's also... Um, a businesswoman and we, we we also saw other celebrities um investing in sport uh, natalie portman and some um there was another woman i just can't remember her name natalie portman and a few other um eva longoria and a few other women were uh, investing in the national women's soccer league um we saw that during covid so you're starting to see sometimes an all-female investment group of people who are uh, investing in sport um so yeah it's it's just interesting to see Women in arts and sports also, um, you know, investing and in, in, in working in business. It's, it's quite interesting. Absolutely. And, you know, we never know who's listening. So anyone out there, if you have connections to Serena. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we would love to, love to feature her. Yeah, put it out there in the universe. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I hope that you have a great rest of the day, a wonderful uh, uh, holiday season and Christmas. And, uh, um, yeah, I can't wait. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Bonnie. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk.